0: Can I can I just ask? Has, has anybody ever locked themselves in their room, like a real whiny moment of just slamming the door and lo- come on, d- don't lie to your pastor because that is the unpardonable sin. Okay, good, good. Maybe your room doesn't have a lock, so how about ever lock yourself in the bathroom? Okay, good, good. Oh right, I mean more in a fit, more in a hissy fit. You know, when men grow up, uh, if if they grow up, they don't sulk in locked bathrooms so much. Uh, they tend to do things like hide in a garage. Um, let me let me grab that mic. I think the wind might be a, a problem too. Checky check. Checky check. Oh, the bottom part. Check, Check one two. Um, I, I, men are funny that way. You see on these real estate shows where <laughs> all they ask is, "Where do I? Where's my, where's my man cave going to go?" Like the, there could be no kitchen and there's mold in the walls and, but the man's excited because there's a place for his man cave and a wet bar. Um, sometimes there is something comforting about an enclosed space. Am I the only kid who ever sort of like went in their closet and shut the, you did that too? Good. Good. Yeah. You went just, it just felt enclosed and comfy. And you did that too. Uh, is it Addison? Madison? Addie? Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes a dark locked room is like emotionally necessary. It's like protection. And recently um, it can also be out of tragedy. I had somebody very close to me who had their world fall apart when they had a stillbirth. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral like that, a tiny casket. It's pretty, it's pretty devastating. And for a while, how she dealt with it Was retreating to her room, and people would stop by, family would come over, but she just didn't have the emotional strength to even leave her room. And so, casseroles and flowers were just sort of left at the door because she couldn't face the world at that time. She had to stay in the protective confines of a dark, Locked room. This whole summer, we've been talking about this idea of cabin fever, you know, that thing where we're locked up or we're confined or we feel isolated. And it's something I think all of us can relate to on one level over these last 18 months. it's It's why a day like today feels so extra good to be outside and to be together, even if we're socially distanced. And we've talked about these examples from the Bible that we can relate to because there are these Bible characters who have their own extreme versions of cabin fever. And today, if you would, would you just picture with me, maybe 20 or so of Jesus' friends and disciples and they're in a small, dark, locked room, and this isn't a place of comfort. This is actually a place of anguish. They had labored along with Jesus for three years. They tried to advance this good cause. They, they traveled on blistered feet through all kinds of towns and more than they could remember, they'd seen Jesus draw thousands of people, maybe to a place like this. And saw him perform incredible miracles of healing, heard him give these remarkable talks and set out a vision of a new kind of kingdom built on love, uh, a, a kingdom built on justice where every evil one day would be made right. And Jesus had told them that the route to this kingdom would be different than they imagined. He said to them, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised to life. And now in this locked room, I'll bet those words are are finally sinking in. They, They didn't make sense at the time. Maybe Jesus, they thought was on a path to be the conquering hero, not on a path of, of humiliation and suffering and death. And those images I'm sure are burned into their minds from a few days ago. They'd seen Jesus hung on this tortured device called a cross. And he had been uh, at a place, the local folks called skull Hill. And the Bible says that a great darkness came over the land until Jesus said, father into your hands, I commit my spirit and he breathed his last. And they took his body down from the cross and they laid it in a little dark room, that we call a tomb and they lock the door with a stone. And now Jesus' friends and disciples, they find themselves in their own little dark locked room, experiencing maybe their own version of of cabin fever, Um, afraid possibly that the authorities, the Pharisees are coming for them. Judas who betrayed Jesus might've now thought, well, there's no reliable authority in life no kingdom worth living for, certainly no number of silver coins that can make up for this emptiness. And so unable to see his way out of his own personal dark room, he took his own life. Peter, who denied Jesus three times after, after just having boldly proclaimed, dramatically proclaiming how he would never abandon him. And now he knew that his failures were final and his, Hope for forgiveness was over. And I imagine he was unable to picture an escape from that little dark room of guilt. And he wept in shame. And Mary, his mother, who had dedicated her life to caring for Jesus, had lost him forever. Her last vision of her precious child had been seeing him tortured to death in in utter defeat. And any parent here who's ever lost a child, you know what it means to be in a dark room of grief. In fact, that room is kind of like a a tomb itself. It's closed off. It's closed off from laughter and light and love, just like the grave where Jesus was laid. Some of you know about the little dark locked room because you've been there or you're there now. Maybe you're feeling despair like Judas felt life seems to be losing or has lost meaning for you. The things that you have bet on really haven't delivered. You don't know how to trust or believe in anyone or anything anymore. Perhaps you're living with guilt like Peter was you've done some really bad things, or maybe you failed to do things that you should have and you wish you could just undo it. You don't believe you can be forgiven. It uh, could be like, uh, like you're Mary, you've lost someone very dear, or, or maybe you're watching them slip away. Evil smiles when we're stuck in that little dark room of the soul. You know, evil wants us to believe that there is no trustworthy authority in this world. You can't believe God. You can't trust others. Everybody lies. Um, everybody disappoints. You're, there's no one who's good or wise looking out for us. And that belief leads to despair. Evil wants us to believe there's no hope, you know, and watching the news these days kind of affirms that suspicion. So, so just accept that it's getting worse and it's probably going to get even, either stay this way or, or, or get worse. That, and that belief leads to kind of a hopelessness and a cynicism. Evil wants us to believe that there's nothing greater than death. Every <laughs> wrinkle you see in the mirror reminds you that you're not long for this life. Every war and pandemic seems to tell you that Death is winning. And that belief leads us into a life of joylessness. Evil wants us to get so used to living in a world defined by despair and guilt and cynicism and hopelessness that we can't even imagine a life that is beyond the tomb. There's this Oscar winning movie that I I can't, (laughs) I can't even bring myself to watch the whole thing because it's just too heartbreakingly sad um, to contemplate. I also can't watch it because it, it happens to uh, mirror some things that have gone on in real life. It's a movie called uh, Room. Anybody know the one I'm talking about? Uh, A woman and her son locked in a room. It's a woman named Joy actually, and she's abducted by a really evil person, kept in a shed essentially for years. One room, never leaves. And two years into this horror, Joy gives birth to Jack and uh, Joy does something. She commits to keeping her child from being destroyed by the evil around him. So Joy makes life as bright and as normal as she can for Jack. So, so, So Jack grows up believing that this tiny dark room is the world. And it's not until one day when that door is unlocked and opened for good that Jack comes to see that the universe he calls room isn't even close to the ultimate reality. Five-year-old Jack starts on this adventure of discovering life as it was truly meant to be friends. This is the Christian story too. This is our story. This is the Easter story, the story of a little dark room called a tomb that is open wide. And when we see these scared and heartbroken friends of Jesus literally locked in a little dark room, then check this out. The Bible says in John 20, though the doors were locked in this little upper room, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus came to call them out of that little dark room. He came to set them free from it, call them into this wondrous adventure of life beyond the tomb. And, and his friend, Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas, he can't believe it at first. Is this really Jesus? And Christ invites him to actually touch his wounds. And Thomas does, and he knows it's really Jesus risen from the grave, just like he said he would. And Thomas falls to his knees and he says, my Lord, my God. Then over the next 40 days, the Bible records that over 500 people will have an experience like that. They will walk with the resurrected Christ. They will sit with him. They will talk with him. They will eat with him. They will see and hear and touch and know that Jesus is not some projection of their wishful thinking. He's not some symbol of a spiritual rebirth. He, he is the, the resurrected Christ, just like he said he was, the living one, the one who has power over life and death and, and evil itself. And Jesus will comfort Mary and the other disciples so that they will never fear death again. And we learn later that even in the face of of persecution, those early Christians, they'll face death confidently because they know it's just a doorway to an even greater life. This Jesus, in a beautiful moment, actually, he'll forgive Peter and restore his mission in life, and it will turn him and those other (laughs) fickle disciples into people of stunning courage, and character. Jesus will send the early church out into the world to live by the values of a kingdom that will absolutely transform paganism and barbarism into a new way of living, that one that's characterized by generosity and love and justice. So the question now for us the people of New Market Alliance Church, the people of the Big C Universal Church, will we live in the reality of the empty tomb or are we going to be content in our dark little locked room? Evil wants you in that room. It, It wants you living in despair and fear and hopelessness. And Jesus enters that locked room and he says, my peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, but trust in me. There is hope for humanity. There is hope for you. Um, Put your broken character, your need of forgiveness, even the people you love and worry about, and put them in my hands, Jesus says, because one of the last words he says in Revelation 21, behold, I am making all things New. Here's the thing though, Jesus won't kind of kick down your door like a 90s action movie star. Okay. He's gentle. He's not the spiritual SWAT team. He is, he's knocking on the door of your heart. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. So that's the invitation today to be a friend of God, to come out of darkness, out of your locked dark room of your heart and to, to go outside into his glorious light. We take communion. And by the way, if you haven't got a communion uh, element um, with you, there's, I believe there's some more over there and just please help yourself. Ask somebody in your group to um, maybe make a communion run. And uh, there's this aspect of communion where we remember the great sacrifice and redeeming work of Jesus. We remember his blood poured, his body broken. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. But there's this other aspect of communion that's not looking back, it's actually looking forward. Okay? The hope of our future promise, where Jesus says at the last summer, supper that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And what that means is that in the meantime, He is preparing a place for us, He's actually preparing a meal for us, a party actually, where every generation of people who have put their hope in God will be joined together and will have a feast and there'll be no tears and Jesus will be the master of ceremonies and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come enter your reward and let's eat. So we remember today, but we also say, Come Lord Jesus, come. We can't wait to break bread with you on that day, to party with you in that lamb's wedding feast that you're preparing for us. Today, if you have never put your hope in anything bigger than yourself, maybe you've even come to realize during COVID that there really ain't much hope at all. Um, Maybe you're in a locked room of your own choosing and you want to experience the freeing, transforming hope that is found in Jesus. I invite you to participate in this, in this symbolic meal. Let it, let it be your yes to Jesus today. He's knocking on the door of your heart. Say yes. Eat with him. Share a meal with him as friends. So, parents, um, I just. It's your call, whether uh, you feel communion is for your kids or not. I'll let you sort of uh, guide that. But during this next song, when you feel that you have maybe gotten your heart right, um, confessed what needs to be confessed, maybe even just say the words, I put my hope in you, Jesus, Uh, I'm answering the knock on the door of my heart. Help me out of this dark room of my soul. Then I invite you just to take communion where you're at during this song.
1: Alright, I just wanted to say something before this next song. um, Because I know I can't be alone in feeling like this. But... Sometimes I have a bit of shame about calling myself a Christian, like it feels guilty because there's so many Christians out there that say I'm a Christian and then spew hate, and it sucks because I relate myself to that name and it feels like uncomfortable talking about it in public. And I don't know if it's just me here, but. Even just playing on stage in an open area with an empty field behind me just feels like a nervous thing for me to be like, I'm a Christian, guys, look over here. Uh, I, I just hope that through this next song, we, if it's more than just me feeling this, that we could just leave that behind and just sing God's goodness.
0: A